All right, let's pray before we get started. Jesus, uh, I just want to thank you right now with a, with a prayer of praise and thanksgiving that you have met with us today already, that your presence is here. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to ask. I know you're here, God. And uh, you uh, are faithful to your word. Lord, you're here and you're meeting with us, and that's what we long for. We pray right now for the uh, tearing down of walls. God, I pray that you would break the chains, Lord, that we would that we would put off those things that, that, that hinder us and entangle us, God, and that we would pursue you, the author and perfecter of our faith, this morning, tomorrow, tonight, every day of our lives, God, that we would be built around who you are and becoming conformed to the image of your son. Please help us <clears throat> as we pursue you. God, this morning as the word goes forth, I pray that they would realize that this word is not founded on me and my righteousness, but on you and yours, that I am a flawed and, and failing servant just trying his best to be obedient to the word of God and the call that's placed on his life. I pray, God, that they would too see their call that you have placed on their life and they would do the same, God, not because I'm something, but because you are something. And as we follow you, God, others may follow us. And so I pray that they would see their call this morning, God, that they would be empowered by the word of Jesus Christ and his righteousness that is imparted to them so that they would then see that they don't move forward on their righteousness or on their foundation. They are not the measure. They are not the almighty, but they are spokespeople of him in his glory and in his fame. And so this morning, as I preach the word of God, I pray that it would go forth and would not return void, that it would might break down walls and change hearts and that those who have thought that they believed before would actually believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved that they might be used for him and his kingdom and his glory, that it might be spread throughout the world, that he would be glorified and that they would be saved. We pray it all in Christ's magnificent name. Amen. I'm excited about this morning, the word that I've got for you. <clears throat> I do believe that today we'll wrap up this little short mini-series about the Upside Down Kingdom. If you would like some more information on that, you can talk to me about it. We can come and dialogue about it, you know, for hours on end. But uh, today, what I want to talk to you about, uh, we have talked about previously, the first sermon was uh, richer or poorer, and we talked about the things of this world and being consumed with the things of this world, and where do we get our identity, where do we get our, our fulfillment from, our satisfaction, where does it come from? It doesn't come from this world. There's nothing here that can fulfill you, that can take you to the level of, of, of peace and joy that, that Christ can. Righteousness and, and peace and joy and salvation is found in Christ and Christ alone. And so we talked about that, and we talked about how it's not about the things that you have, but it's about who you know, and that's Christ. Then the next we talked about, the, the, the sermon title was in the Upside Down series is Fame or Lame. And we talked then uh, further about identity and, and, and why do we do the things that we do? Do we do what we do in order to impress others or in order really just to appease others so that they wouldn't get angry or upset with us and we would have to deal with those repercussions? Why, why do we do what we do? Is it out of fear of man or out of the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of knowledge? Why do we do? Why do you do what you do? Why do I do what I do? And I told you that all of this is this little series here. In all of my sermons, you know, I, I'm really, uh, I, I really, uh, God has shown me my failures as a human being. And, and I need for you to know that you shouldn't see me up here with a cape flapping in the wind like I'm somebody because I have my struggles too. And the only reason I can stand here is because of the word that Christ has put in my mouth to tell you, right? Where you are struggling like I am struggling. So you can take the word that I have spoken that has helped me in my time of need that I've tried to apply to my life and apply to your life so we can both be conformed to the image of the Son. Amen. Now, what we do from here is, is that we move into a place and we say, okay, we realize that there's nothing here on earth that can fulfill us and satisfy us. We realize that we do not operate out of a spirit of the fear of man, but out of the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of knowledge, knowing that Jesus Christ is the only one that should be able to steer us and the only one whose opinion should matter to us. And therefore, it uh, doesn't matter what people think about us, what they say about us, what they do to us, we will stand on the rock, which is Christ. That's what we operate in. That's our foundation. That's our movement. Today, I want you to understand one more thing in, in this little series here is that you, uh, once you know Christ, you do not receive a place of exaltation that would make you then the measure by which others should measure themselves. 
Let us be careful when we enter into the kingdom of God, lest we start to think too highly of ourselves and start to look down our nose at other people and judging them based on our life instead of on the life of Christ, which should be that standard which we set up here. This is Christ. This is the word of God. And as I peer into the word of God and as the word of God speaks to me and as it reveals my downfalls, as it reveals my shortcomings, I start to uh, plead with the Lord to grant me repentance he's sovereign over that as well that I would be conformed to the image of the son that he would start to work in my life cutting away what needs to be cut away that he would prune which is painful but it's helpful that he would prune me and now as I set up this standard here the word of God Jesus Christ is the word made flesh as I set up this standard and as I gaze into the eyes of Christ and see who I really am and I start to be conformed to his image through his spirit which sanctifies me I would then look at you not in judgment but in love and I would say Heath brother I'm looking at this mirror right here and it's revealing some things about me but you're catching the reflection in it too uh, you might want to look as well so we don't put our brother in front of us and say well you don't look like me you stink even if he does stink we say brother let's both look at the word of God together and let us be conformed to the likeness of his image. The title of today's message is The Upside Down Kingdom, Right or Wrong? Are you right or are you wrong? We have put a kind of a little thesis, an understanding, an idea here that we're trying to get across to this series that says the big idea behind this is that the, the world is telling you all of these things. It's giving you types of advice. It's giving you methods of thinking that in my estimation, according to the word of God, is exactly inverted to what Jesus Christ is telling you. It is exactly opposite of what the Bible teaches you to do, how it teaches you to move, how it teaches you to get your understanding of how you should operate within your life and within your family and your world, your work, your, your whole world, so to speak. The, the, the world is telling you this way, but Jesus is saying, actually, it's this way. And so we've looked at that perspective in every series that we've done, the both that we've done before this one. And today, we oftentimes, this is the thing I want to set up here, is that oftentimes we come to a situation and we have to make a decision. We have to make a judgment call. It's a reality of where we live, what we do, every person in every life. You have to look at something. You say, well, that's right or that's wrong. I'm going to be a part of that or I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm going to talk to this person. I'm not going to talk to that person. I'm going to call them on it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that so we have to come to a place where we say how do we determine what's right and what's wrong how do we determine what is correct and what is false how do we come to the conclusion of what we do and what we don't do based on what God has called us to do and who he's called us to be everybody shaking with me so far so the world says that the way that we interpret and understand what is right and what is wrong is the understanding that you have of how things work now, that's what the world wants you to do, and that's what the world does. Therefore, we have something that comes out of that called postmodernism. It, we have something uh, that comes out of that, it, which is subjective thinking. We, we, have, we have this open type of theology, this, uh, this indifference to what is absolutely the truth. We have this thing that says that I think a certain way, therefore I am right. If you think differently than me, you can be right as well because you think that way. This is called relativism in our day. And what relativism says is that you can be right and I can be right. We can both be right even if our rights or truths contradict one another, which is absolutely absurd. It can't, it's not absurd because, now see, let's, let's be careful here because it's not absurd because I say it's absurd. It's absurd because it is absurd. It's logically inconsistent, meaning that if I say that the crayon is blue and you say that the crayon is red and it's the same crayon, then it either has to be blue or it has to be red. It cannot be both blue and red at the same time. This is not Brennan's reasoning. This is logical consistency. 
There was a such thing as a law of non-contradiction. Now, I'm not going to get into philosophical talk, but what I need for you to understand is, is that logically speaking, not because, well, Brandon said that's the way that it is, okay? No. Logically speaking, if two truths oppose, one has to be true and one has to be false. Granted, is that okay? Is that simple enough? This says yes. This says no. This says, what am I having for lunch? <laughs> we find this idea all throughout the scriptures. And what I want to address today is, how do we come then to the understanding of what is right and what is wrong? How then do we come to the place where we can look at someone in the face and say, you are wrong? Because what does the world call that? Some, several different words, some I can't say here in church. Intolerant. Bigot. What else? Bully. Good. Don't be cussing in church, Robert, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. All of these words find their way into our conversation. If I look at you even out of love and I say, brother, look, what you're doing is wrong and it's going to end up bad for you. I don't say this because I'm better than you. I have my own struggles. I'm telling you this because I don't want it to end up bad for you. Still, they say bigot. Why do they say bigot? Now, I can't go, even go down that road. Okay, we can have a logical, consistent conversation later about hypocritical, uh, philosophical arguments. Okay, we're not going to do that right now. What I want to show you is how do we as Christians who love Jesus, who love the Bible, who want to read the Bible, how do we get to a place to where we can rightly look at someone and say, I'm right and you're wrong. In love, in love, so that they may be better aware of what's right and what's wrong and may be able to see that and help themselves. Now, is that possible? Is it possible? Let's get into the word and see. We've already prayed, so let's just get right into the word. All right, we're going to be in three different places this morning, depending on how far I get. Our kind of our foundational verse for the upside down kingdom is Matthew 23, 12. Matthew 23, 12. And Matthew 23, 12 <coughs> says this. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You say, what's that got to do with being right or wrong? Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. How many of you remember the diagram I put on the board two weeks ago? You remember how in the upside-down kingdom, uh, the arrows go opposite ways. So Jesus says it's this, the world says it's this. Jesus says it's this, and the world says that it's this. It's opposite. So here Jesus says, whoever exalts himself, makes much of himself, lifts himself up to the standard. Whoever, whoever acknowledges himself to be the power that decides or the measure by which we measure things... He, in the end, will be humbled. He will be brought low. He will be proven that he is not who he said he is. But those who humble themselves will be exalted in the end, meaning that those who put themselves last, those that aren't out with their agendas, those that, those that don't have to be number one or don't exalt themselves to the place of the Almighty won't be knocked off of their throne. As a matter of fact, they will be invited to sit with Christ in the heavenlies. He who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Okay? I've got three things I want to show you this morning, and I don't think it'll take a ton of time. Three things that I want to show you that will help you navigate through being a Christian, evangelizing those around you, calling those around you to repentance, because whether you like it or not, now I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are people in this room who have been conditioned and conformed to the image of this world, who think that they have no right to speak to people about eternal things, think that they have no right to speak to people about things that the world says are right, but the Bible says is wrong. That people in this room right here say, oh, I can never do that. I don't want to be judgmental, arrogant, intolerant, bigot. But the problem is, is that God has called you to that. Not to be an intolerant bigot. <laughs> 
but to spread the truth and to speak the truth of God's word in and out of season, when it is comfortable and when it's not, when you're rich and when you're poor, when it means you lose your job and when it means you get a job, when it means you lose a friend and when it means you gain a friend, when it means you are left by your wife or left by your husband, and when you get a wife or a husband. It means in season and out of season. You do not get to pick and choose what truth you share. You are obligated by the word of God to speak the truth in all circumstances. In love and in peace for the glorification of Jesus Christ. Let's see, how do we do that? Okay, you guys ready for that? All right, now, in, <clears throat> in order to do that, I'm just going to do it in three different ways. I don't, I'm trying to figure out how the Lord wanted me to preach this sermon. I do all kind of different stuff. But today, I've got three little different truths, but I also got a story, so we'll see how that works. So I don't know. Number one, uh, I want you to know that you are not the Almighty. It's pretty simple, huh? Some of you are like, say what? <laughs> you are not the Almighty. You are not the measure. You are not the standard, and neither am I. Some may think that because I stand on this stage, I have more rule and authority, and you need to listen to what I say. No. The only thing that I have to say is to read the book and to help you understand what it says. Okay? You are not the Almighty, and neither am I. If you go to a church where the preacher thinks that he is the Almighty and they do exist, not going to call any out, then the people of that church, as they start to receive what's being taught, will then think themselves to be the Almighty as well. Now, there is two different ways to share the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word of God, with individuals who are sinning. One is sinful and one is not. There is a way to come and confront someone with the truth that smashes and demolishes their entire life. You do understand, when you bring a truth of God into someone's life that is living in darkness, you are about to rattle, shake, and destroy their entire world if they believe that you're telling the truth. There is a way to do that, and there is a way not to do that. The Bible says to seek peace always. The Bible says to speak truth in love. The Bible says that even when we are to exercise discipline and church discipline, that we are to do it in such a way that, that, the, that the person that has been put out would long to come back, that he would be renewed, that he would be restored to his salvation. How many times have you and have I been come at with truth just to destroy? How do you wield your sword? Do you use it to prune away that which hinders? To, to cut away the bad so that the good might be revealed? Do you do it to do heart surgery with exactness? Do you know how to use your sword? Or do you bring your sword to the table to chop down those who don't agree with you? How many of you have been chopped down before? Okay. How many of you have chopped somebody down before? Me too. Me too. Sometimes when you chop somebody down, I've, I've cut down many, many, many trees in my life. That's what I do. And sometimes I chop a tree down and it grows right back up. So maybe you didn't kill them. <laughs> but from my experience, when I go in and when I, when I take the time to measure and trim that tree and take off what doesn't need to be there with, with precision, with accuracy, and with purpose, Tim, with determination that I don't want to hurt this tree. I don't want to kill this tree. And sometimes, you know what? I'll go to a house and the tree will be in full bloom and it needs a heavy trim. I'll tell the homeowner, I can't prune this tree right now because I'll kill it. You've got to trim the tree. I can't do it right now. You can get somebody else to do it, but I can't prune the tree right now because I don't want to kill it. Let me come back in the fall when the tree's ready to be pruned. Pruning someone, correcting someone takes gentleness. It takes love. 
It takes patience and it takes timing. And how do you know when the tree is ready to be pruned? You need to learn about the tree. You need to know the tree. You need to know what kind of tree it is. You need to know what a bad branch looks like and a good branch looks like. You need to know what sin is and what sin is not. You need to know what's black and what white and what's gray and what's none of your business. You need to learn when to say, let's wait a while on that. You need to learn when to say, now's the time to talk about that. The story I've got for you comes out of the Old Testament. And uh, it plays off of this because what I want to show you today is that since we are not the Almighty, and that was a short point, but I need you to understand that you're not the measure. It's not like what you say goes, you know, that you can never be wrong because you're a Christian. No, Christians are wrong all the time. As a matter of fact, I know a lot of stupid Christians that are really wrong, a really high percentage of the time. How about that? I know a lot of them, okay? Huh? Judging, uh-oh. So we can be wrong. We're not the Almighty. We're not the measure. We're not the standard. So then what do we, how do we do that then without being judgmental? How do, we, how do we use our sword? How do we know when to prune and how when to do all of that? Well, let's look at a, let's look at a story out of the Old Testament. We're in actually Numbers chapter 16. And, and uh, I, I was trying to figure out from the Lord, you know, what, what all he wanted me to share out of this. Because this, this scripture right here, man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I've got like six sermons right here. I think my last point I'll actually save for next week and preach that point just by itself. So what I want to show you today is is that number one, you're not the almighty. You're not the measure. Matthew uh, 23, 12 says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And the way that I put those together, the way that the Lord showed me, that scripture tied with this in my mind was that you can't exalt, even in corrective, uh, 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 even in corrective obedience, when you share the word of God with someone, you can't do it in such a way that you are exalted over this person and you are lording it over them. And you are saying that you are not measuring up to the standard of me in such a way that it would tear that person down and hurt them because you don't have that right. Now, if God wants to show up to that person and say, correct it or die, you know, then he's got that right, right? Because he's the one ultimately being sinned against. You don't have that right. We are called by God to do this in such a way that it would build up and not tear down. That we would stand outside of ourselves and say, look, I know I'm a sinner too. But let's come to this agreement. Let's come to this place. Let's come. Let's grow together. So let's go to to number two now. Out of this, you are not the almighty, comes the idea that you will be accused of bigotry if you do what I am telling you that God is calling you to do. It is a fact of the matter. You are going to be accused of bigotry. You are going to be attacked for judging, for looking down your nose. It is going to happen. Let me read you a story out of Numbers chapter 16, and I'll just figure out where I'm going to stop. But listen to this story. As Moses and Aaron who have been called by God to do a certain task, to lead, to do what needs to be done. They've been empowered by God, not on their own word, not on their own idea, not on what they think should be done, but on what God says should be done. As a matter of fact, Moses had lots of questions. I don't think I can go that far. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to tell them? Do you really think that I should go? And God's like, look, I got a plan. I got a way that you should go. And that's what I expect you to do. And and Moses is finally like, okay, but I I stink at talking. And God's like, look, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to give you somebody that'll be a mouthpiece for you. So he gave him Aaron. So God has orchestrated the whole thing. God's called them to be leaders. God's called them to a task. God's called them to do what needed to be done. Now, are they speaking on their behalf? Have we established that? Are they speaking on their behalf? No, they're not. They are speaking on behalf of God, and they are doing what God has called them to do. Now, let me show you what happens when you step out, and you step into your call, and you do what God has called you to do. Here's what happens. Now, Korah, the son of Izhar, this is in Numbers chapter 16. We're going to look through verses 1 through 11. Now Korah, I think. Now Korah, the son of Ishar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. 
Now, what it means there is, is that they took men and gathered them together. They took some men out from the people who were following Moses and Aaron according to God's word. So they took these men and they rose up before Moses with a number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. So there was this uprising of men of influence, men of power, men that that could really hurt them, men that, that that really took away of who God called them to be and what God called them to do. Can you imagine, church? We have we have uh, three elders in here. We have four pastors. We have about I don't know how many leaders, and we have different ministries. Just imagine if about, uh, I don't know, 25, 25% of those all of a sudden rose up, and they had a lot of sway in the church, and they said, nah. It'd be scary. It'd be scary. We would wonder. We would say, oh, Lord, what's going on here? So he took these men and they rose up, well-known men. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. Here's the verse we're going to, to really focus on. Go back to the number two. So we've got to understand that we are not the Almighty. You are not the Almighty, and that you will be accused of bigotry. Number 16:3. They assembled themselves. Now, this is the people who are rising up. They assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far. For all in the congregation are holy. Let's go back to the idea. Let's go back to the idea of everybody being right. You have gone too far, for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So you see, Moses and Aaron were offering corrective advice. They were speaking into the lives of these people. They were rebuking them. They were disciplining them. They were speaking on behalf of the Lord. And then this group of men rise up and say, who do you think you are? Looking down your nose at this congregation. You ain't got no right to speak to any one of them. Because every single one of them are holy. They ain't not one of them done anything wrong. Who do you think you are? You see this relativistic way of thinking. That they're all right. Moses may say, now, I, I, I'm con- this is conjecture here. Moses may say, yeah, but, but what about all of this false worship? But what about these things that they've carved? Will you leave them alone? That's what they're doing. Moses might say, well, this, these Ten Commandments, they, 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 what about these? They're, they're breaking the law of God. Listen, if it's right in their eyes, you leave them. What right do you have? I can just imagine the people, if they had the word at that time, saying, you bigot. Moses would be like, you, you what? <laughs> Bigger who? Bigger what? <laughs> you bigot. You see, he was accused, and the story goes on. It says here, it says, you have gone too far, for all in the congregation are holy. Every one of them are holy, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? They were being accused of exalting themselves above the assembly of the Lord. So they were preaching to the masses. They were were exercising their authority that God had called them to. And the people looked back at them and said, who do you think you are making yourself out to be God? Exalting yourself above this people. Who in here is, is concerned about that when you speak the word? Be honest. Isn't it a little bit of a, all y'all liars. <laughs> Look, I preach, the, I preach the gospel every Sunday, and it don't matter. It don't matter. I've been doing this, what, about 15 years now, 14 years, 13, 14, something like that. Not in this church, but just, you know, loving Jesus and trying to talk to people about Jesus. And it never fails. Even, even, at, even at this point in my life, I'll see somebody out, and the Lord's like, go tell them about me. You'll tell them about me. And I'm like, hold on, Lord. What's they going to think? The Lord's like, who cares? I'm like, me. The Lord's like, why? You know, you don't do that? Well, raise your hand. I just asked that question. Good grief. Angie's like, it don't matter to me whatsoever. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough, you know? The most godly among us, the, the ones that love Jesus the most among us, we still struggle with the fear of man from time to time. We need to be released from that demon. We need to, when God speaks, we need to say, yes, Lord. 
Here am I. Yes, Lord, send me. Here am I. But it's a struggle. It's a struggle. But I want to give you some grace in that. I want to speak into your life about that because God is calling you to do that. Look, you are not the, the almighty uh, and you will be attacked. You will be accused of bigotry. You will be attacked for being judgmental, just like Moses and just like Aaron. They said, who do you think you are? And you're going to get that response probably from time to time as you approach people about the truth and about what, what's right and what's wrong, you know. But how you, how you go about answering that question, how you respond to that criticism will tell everybody and will tell you and will tell God who you think you are. Are you the Almighty? Do you get angry and mad and nasty when somebody tries to correct your truth or tries to tell you you're a liar or tries to defend what they believe? Or are you okay because you understand they're not attacking you? They're attacking him, which brings us to number three, is that, number one, you are not the almighty. You're not the measure. Number two, you will be accused of bigotry and judgment, and you will be attacked. But number three, you are ambassadors of God. You are ambassadors of God, meaning that you are the spokespeople of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are representatives of him that carry, you carry weight with you when you go. You carry the presence of the Lord. You go in his name and you are speaking on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. When you go and you proclaim the truth to the nations, when you speak the truth in the life of a friend, in love and in, in, a, in, a, in a spirit of peace and love and correction, that they would be lifted up and not torn down. You are a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ and when they accuse you and when they attack you just know that you are not the one that they are truly accusing and attacking but you are only a representative of the one that they're attacking because you stand for God so let it be known that you should fear nothing you should fear nothing when you speak the truth because you do so on behalf of God and God has accepted you. God has brought you in. God loves you. God is going to take care of you. What can man do to me? What can you take away from the man who has everything that can't be gotten to because it's stored where moth cannot go and where thief cannot steal? Let's continue in the story. Number three, you are an ambassador Starting again in verse 3, you have gone too far for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? When Moses heard it, he fell on his face. You see, when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. Moses didn't rise up and say, why, you, who do you think you are? Telling me I got no right to be here. What did Moses do? Ooh, what did Moses do? Same thing Joshua did in, in five, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there, but if I can, it's going to be good. Moses hit his face. He humbled himself. Bam. Moses wasn't exalting himself. Yes, he had truth. Yes, he led the people of God. Yes, he told them when they were wrong, but he did not do it out of a spirit of exaltation and power and authority, not, not, not a wrong spirit. No, he did it out of a spirit of humility, out of a spirit of God, out of the spirit of love and peace and building up. Like Jesus said, how I long to gather you together. Jesus was the most powerful man that ever touched the face of the earth. But did he come like that? Now he's going to come back like that. I'm not even kidding. He came as a lowly, humble peasant servant who gave it all away. Gave it all away so that you might receive it all. He poured out his blood so that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ might fill your veins. He was counted as the least of these that your name would be cried out in the heavenlies and that he would make much of you. Moses hit his face, hit his face, humbled himself. And he said to Korah and all his company, in the morning, the Lord will show who is his. You don't got to defend yourself. You drop the mic and walk off. You ain't got to defend yourself. The Lord Jesus Christ, who will speak 
against those that are his. Who is it that will bring a charge against God's elect? Who is it? Come, bring it. Now, we don't say that. You know, I'm just giving you an illustration. You know what I'm saying? But that's how I feel sometimes, you know, walking around. I'm like, I could box right now when I get into the Bible. Do you get in the Bible like that? Y'all looking at me like I'm weird. I ain't the weird one. Y'all the weird ones. You got the word of God. It's like. I'm telling you, I about threw up in the sound booth. That's Grant. This morning. I was like gagging the presence of the Lord. And Grant's like, what is wrong with him? Thick in this place. I'm telling you right now. Listen, I'm telling you right now. You ain't got to worry about it. God's got your back. They might not have a person in this room, a person in this world, really stand with you to the end. But God will. God will. And I'd trade them all for the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you? Would you? Well, then get your hand up. I see one hand up. Amen. I see one with two hands up. She's like, I'll go right now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Moses said, in the morning, the Lord, the Lord will show who is his. And who is holy and will bring him near to him. The one who, whom he chooses, he will bring near. Oh, this word is so good. See, the way that you come to somebody with spirit and truth that would correct and tear away things that they love is to come as an ambassador of the Lord, knowing that you're speaking for him, not speaking for you. you look, you look somebody dead in the eye and say, look, this thing you're involved in is killing you. Listen, I'm not trying to tell you believe me here. Just read this. I'm not telling you this because I hate you. I'm telling you this because I love you. Look, I don't want you to die. You drinking poison. You already purple. Please read this. Please. You got the noose around your neck. Your feet's dangling. Please read this. It'll cut the noose. It'll counteract the poison. He says he gives them this this uh, ceremony, this thing to do, and this is a foreshadowing to it. I don't have time to get into that, but he says, "Do this." He says, "The Lord will choose uh, the one whom He chooses. He'll bring near to Him. He's gonna, in the end, the Lord the Lord will wash all the stuff away. He'll He'll wash away all the stuff that clouds our judgment. Right now, we see through a mirror dimly, a cloud cloudy mirror that." We're kind of looking and peering in. But in the end, it's going to be all washed away. We'll see as those who see face to face and everything will come out in the end. Everything will come out. Who you are, what you stand for, what the truth is, it'll all come out. You can, you can take, take heart in that. He says, do this. Take censers, Korah and all his company. Put fire in them and put incense on them before the Lord tomorrow. And the man whom the Lord chooses shall be the Holy One. You have gone too far, sons of Levi. Now, what, what did the sons of Levi tell him? You have gone too far. But now Moses said, let's let, the, let's let the Lord decide. I think you've gone too far. But we're going to let the Lord decide who's gone too far. He says, uh, you've gone too far, sons of Levi. And Moses said to Korah, hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it too small a thing for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do service in the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to minister to them? And, he, and that he has brought you near to him, and all your brothers, the sons of Levi, is with you. And would you seek the priesthood? Now, there's a whole ton of theology in right there, but I just, I don't have any time for that. I want to make one more point here. Now, verse 11, here's where we build off of this, uh, that we are the Lord's ambassadors. And in the New Testament, it's clearly written in, in Corinthians 2. Therefore, it is against the Lord that you and all your company it is against the Lord that you and all your company have gathered together <laughs> together Together, what is Aaron that you would grumble against him? What is Aaron that you would grumble against him? Here is your key. There is your key, rather. You're not the Almighty. You're going to be attacked. But take heart because the Lord protects his anointed. Even if it's through regeneration life on the other side, our full inclusion, our adoption as sons, the, the reconciliation that you have with him. Maybe on this side, everything is taken even unto death. But God has got you. 
Jesus says that he who is not ashamed to speak my name before men, I will not be ashamed to speak his name before my Father. Your name will be called in heaven. Accusation and attack will come. Let it come because he's got your back. Number three is that you are ambassadors of God. You are God's ambassadors. You speak on his behalf. And so just like Moses said in verse 11, it says, Therefore it is against the Lord that you and all of your company have gathered together. What is Aaron that you grumble against him? See, what Moses is saying is saying, he's saying, look, it's not me. I'm not the one that's right here. Aaron's not the one that's right. It's not based on his word that we say. You think you're rising up against me? You think you're coming against me when you're attacked for standing for what's true? When you're attacked for standing for what's right? Then you can clearly be be at ease. For anyone who would attack you, any friendships you might lose, any family relationships that you might lose, any materials that you might lose, you say, look, you, you take all this stuff away from me. I don't, you can take it all. I'm just a spokesman for the Lord. You're not sinning against me. You're sinning against the Lord. It's not me. Look, God's called me to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. You got a problem, take it up with him. Who here stands for the Lord? Don't be afraid to stand for the Lord. You're standing for the Lord. Now stand up and be somebody. Stop closing your mouth when you know it needs to be open. The only reason you would close your mouth and not do what's right is because you're scared of them. What is man that we should be scared of them? What are they going to do? We shouldn't fear those that could hurt the body, but fear the one that can destroy both the body and the soul in hell. That's the Bible. You need to offend someone? I would rather offend a million people than offend my one God. We walk around on our tiptoes like we're scared they're going to think badly of us. Well, maybe they will. But you know what? They're really thinking badly of God. Let them take it up with him. He's big enough. We're ambassadors for God. We're ambassadors for Christ. As the band comes forward, I'm going to go ahead and draw this thing to a close. I've got one other thing to show you here. I didn't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd have time to get to it, but I want to show you something. This is what we'll close on. This is good. Okay, yeah. The Lord's good. He does what he wants. Okay. Uh, Joshua chapter 5. We made it. We made it. I never make it, but we made it. Joshua chapter 5. Okay, now, as we navigate these waters, all of you are human beings, right? And all of you have been, you've had the sword dropped on you, and it's destroyed. Some of you are just now easing back into church because you're scared to death, right? And the only reason you come to this church is because we don't even really look like a church, right? We got, we about to even put up the sign. <laughs> as, as a matter of fact, now this is no joke. Somebody in here told me this, or I heard this somewhere. I don't even know. Somebody, I think somebody in here told me this. Had somebody come to him or something. Anyway, I said, the saying was, hey, have you been to that new place? The well? No. Yeah. You talking about church? No, not the church, the bar. You know, you know, thirst, drink, pour. You know, <laughs> come to the well, you know, hey, look, we don't get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. We get filled up with the Holy Ghost, right? Now you might mistake it from time to time, you know, where was I going? I don't know. I chased, I'm not way down in this rabbit hole trying to get back out. Uh, I really, hold on a second. Oh, jo- uh, Joshua chapter five. Okay. Why did I even say that? Huh? I don't even know. Yeah, squirrel. I really can't remember why I was saying that. The sign, yeah, the sign, I don't know. Anyway, Joshua chapter 5. Oh, yeah, I remember now. Some of you have been really hurt by churches. And the only reason that you're here is that you, like, wandered in here because you heard the church all the way from, I mean, the music all the way from Fred's. He's like, man, this club keeps going all night, you know. You come on up in here. So here we are. My wife's like, oh, that was too far. But here we are. You know, you finally got back in. 
You know, some of you have come and said, some of you have come to me and said, you know, the church really, really hurt me. The church really hurt me. And I don't know if it's any intention of any church to hurt people. I don't know. You know, I think there are some hurtful people who claim the name of Christ, but they do so in vain. That's not my judgment call, just observation. You know, they'll have to sort that out. But I do know that churches hurt people sometimes. I know that our churches hurt some people, you know, un, un, unintentionally. Uh, we've dropped the ball on some visitations, especially me. I'm terrible at that. And plus, I'm too busy. The Lord's helped me out with that recently, you know. <laughs> um, but churches do hurt people. Christians hurt people. Even true Christians, they hurt people sometimes. Some of you have, have wandered in here and you found your way back here. And, and even, if, even if this is a place of regeneration for you and then you move on somewhere else, I hope you don't. I hope it's a long, happy life with us as your church family. But I, I, I full understand that this may just be a watering hole for you for a little while because you're so parched and thirsty and dry. I'm okay with that. You just pursue God and you be who God's called you to be knowing that there's no one person because of that person who is right or who is wrong. Now you say, hold on, that sounds a lot like relativism here. What I mean is this, is that as, as far as truth goes, there's only one foundation and source for truth. Jesus actually said, now you guys listening, raise your hand if you listen. This is really good here. I didn't even make this up this morning. He's just giving it to me right now. So I'm just going to give it to you, okay? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So truth is not a, truth is not a thing that we can look at, take here, and say, I'm right. No. Truth is actually an individual. Truth is the God-man. And so as created beings who don't create, see, we can't create, not in the ultimate sense of creating ex nihilo, out of nothing. We can't create that way, so we don't make anything new. There's nothing new under the sun. So what we have to do is we have to borrow things, right? Okay, you checking with me so far? You, you walking with me? We have to borrow things. And anything that we have is borrowed, whether it is a lie or whether it is false. We're not creators. So as we borrow things, or as we take things, or as things are planted inside of us, the Bible speaks of him writing his word on our heart. As we receive truth, right? Uh, Satan accuses, he confuses. So we can, be, we can have false things put inside of us as well, or we can take them inside of ourselves. But all these things are outside of us. We are created beings. So if we have, Robert, can you come up here for a minute, please? Hurry, come on. Now, we're going to do a little demonstration, and, and it, won't create, it, won't, it won't mean anything but you just standing here, is that I'm going to be right and Robert's going to be wrong. <laughs> we'll let Robert be right. Like my wife. <laughs> hey, he's just like me. Just like me, getting in trouble with his wife on the stage. Uh, no, we'll let Robert be right and I'm going to be wrong, okay? Maybe. Now, the Bible tells us that Robert can't create and I can't create. So any truth or any lie that he has has been given to him somehow, whether God gave it to him, but God, we know God's not the author of lies and there's nothing in him that, that he could tempt us, right? So if you have any lies, then it's not from God, it's from something else. Or if I have any, it's from somebody else too. But if I have any truth, truth only comes from one place and that is Christ. It is, it is Christ, right? He doesn't even just give truth, he is truth. So if you have truth, you have part of Christ but what I'm saying is is that it's imparted to us he didn't create it and I didn't create it so therefore I don't think that I can inherently be right or wrong neither can he all I can do is acknowledge what is right you say he done lost me let's, let's use the Bible There's a place in Joshua chapter 5 that is magnificent. It's beautiful. Listen to this. Now, Joshua is a powerful man of God. Joshua was actually uh, the one who took over for Moses. 
He stepped in when Moses didn't get to go to the promised land and he sent out these spies and they were all scared of the people there except for just two of them. Uh, and Joshua was one of those and he led the people on into the promised land. Okay, Great commander of, of, of Israel and God's army, right? So he was, he was God's man. He was making pursuit of the enemy, just battling people for the Lord, had been commissioned by God. But there's this place here that says, when Joshua, now please, who's listening? Okay, keep your hands up. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would impart wisdom to them right now. Let them see what you've shown me in Jesus' name. Amen. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Am I right or is he right? Am I wrong or is he wrong? Are you for me or are you for him? Who is right, me or him? And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. He said, No. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped him and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You can sit down. Thank you. You see, you are not right. You are not right because it's your right. You're not right because it's your truth. You didn't create that truth. We don't lord it over anybody. We don't exalt ourselves. We proclaim the name of Jesus. Jesus alone. You see, when Joshua met Jesus, now this is Jesus. We know that this is Christ because he sees him as a man. He sees him standing as a man. He worships him as God. Who is the God-man? Jesus. That deserved an answer, by the way. I'm not up here sweating for nothing. Joshua said, who are you for? Me or my adversaries? Christ says, No. You see, as we all stand to our feet and as the lights come down, we're going to end with this right here because I got a very, very important question for you. How do you interact with your God? Now, I want you to know something in what I've said here concerning Joshua 5, 13 through 15. When I say that you're not either right or wrong and neither is the other, I don't mean that there's not an objective truth because there is. What I mean is is that the only way that you can be standing on the right side is to be standing on Jesus' side. There's the only place that you can be in the truth. Truth has no other name than the name of Jesus Christ. You see, when Joshua met Christ at that time, he looked up. He looked up. Are you looking up? Men and women of God, are you looking up? Or are you just looking around at everybody else for a variety of reasons? Oh, they have so much more than me. Oh, they have so much less than me. Oh, they're so much better than me. Oh, they're so much worse than me. You see, we judge ourselves according to the wrong standard. Are you looking up? And if not, what are you looking at? Do you demand to be right or do you demand Jesus Christ be acknowledged? 
You see, you've got to acknowledge him in all of your ways, and then he'll make your path straight. You see, Jesus already had his sword drawn. See, it's his battle. It's his battle. It's not your battle. You're not going to war. You're not going to war. You're just going to speak. You're going to speak peace for a warrior that is coming. You see, in Jeremiah, it said he is the dread warrior. Oh, that's good. I'm going to get that. I don't want to say that. He is the dread warrior. You see, he's already got his sword drawn. He's not asking you to go to battle for him. He's asking you to go as an ambassador to seek peace before he comes and kills everybody. Take it to the bank. I said it. Hell's hot and eternity's long. There is not a man, not a woman, that'll be here when he comes that's against him that won't suffer the wrath of God for all of eternity. You won't win that fight. You won't. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, be afraid. Be very afraid. Because it's a terrible thing to be consumed by God who is an all-consuming fire. Listen, his sword is drawn. If you're against him, be afraid. If you're for him, tell him to be afraid. Joshua's response was what? That he fell on his face in utter humility. He knew that it wasn't his right. He knew. You see, Jesus is for Jesus. Jesus is for Jesus. And he's got the right because he's God. He hid his face and he worshiped. I had a conversation with a brother this morning. And I consider he and myself to be a lot alike. And sometimes we can get just kind of complacent. We can get kind of tired. We can get kind of burnt out. But it's only because we've taken our eyes off the Lord. Because when we see him, we do what Joshua did. Face plant worship. You want to be a powerful man or a woman of God? Then you get on your face. You want to sit in the presence of the true and living God? Then you get on your face. You want to be right? Then you get on your face. The Lord of hosts is here. He longs to forgive you. He longs to regenerate you. He longs to take you from a place of religion which says you got to do what's right to a a regenerative life that says come and drink of the fountain of living waters come and eat of the bread of life and live life forevermore it's found in the Lord Jesus Christ come, come, come and see my King Jesus for he will bring you out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious son won't you come to the Lord Jesus Christ There's nowhere else to be. There's nowhere else to be. Take this world and everything else. Just give me King Jesus. The altar is open for you to respond to however God has called you. You see, we do have to share truth. But we are to share the truth of God and joy and love and patience, longing for them to be built up and encouraged. But in order to share it, you've got to know it. Do you know Jesus? We've already said truth is not some far thing out there. But truth is a person who's right here. His name is Jesus. He is God. And when you're walking hand in hand in God, it's not hard to speak truth and love. You know what? The most powerful times I've ever spoken truth was just when I was acting silly and giddy about what Jesus has done. I had a guy come up to me one time and he said, man, I just got done preaching. He said, man, that word you gave one time, that time, he said, it was powerful. Powerful. It cut me down in my heart. It cut all the way to my core. I didn't like it. But God used it and and that word became a well of life in me and it just, man, that word you spoke to me, it just, it rocked my world. And I want to tell you that because ever since that day, I've loved Jesus. 
I was getting kind of proud, you know. I was like, what, what sermon was that? He was like, oh, no, man, we was, that, was that, that was that night at 11.30 at night when you met me at Bible parking lot as you were going in. You were just telling me about Jesus and, and what he had been doing in your life and how, how much you love him. I was like, Phew. Do you know the truth? Do you know Jesus? Is it powerful in your life? Is it more than a religion? Is it, is it a reflection? Breathe them in, people of God. Breathe them in. Breathe them in. Breathe them in. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come, do what God's calling you to do. Let us worship him. Let us worship him. Yes.